The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm Anna. And who's the funky-looking donkey over there? That's Sven. Uh-huh. And who's the reindeer? No. Why not? Because I don't trust your judgment. Excuse me? Who marries a man she just met? It's Truma! Whoa! Whoa. Anna, I belong here. Alone. Where I can be who I am without hurting anybody. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And today we have a very special guest. (laughs) Who's in studio with us today? Would you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Josh. Uh, I belong to Aislinn. And let's be honest, all the the guests are special, right? They're all pretty pretty great. It's true. My partner Josh is here today. Yay, Josh. Yay, Josh. Um, Josh is here specifically to talk about Frozen, which is good because that's what we're talking about. But um, was um, plucked for this episode because he is an animation aficionado. Yes. Yes. And an artist. I mean, an artist, an animator, an animation aficionado. He is. He's. uh, Yeah, I'm very excited to hear his take here. Fanboy. Fanboy, I think, is a uh, primary among them. I think you uh, buried the lead. <laughs> um, yeah, Towen. Oh, I stepped on you there. You were going to introduce the movie. Yes. So we're talking about Frozen, as you said, uh, from 2013. The the if if you haven't heard of it, <laughs> it's a it's a animated Disney film from 2013 uh, that is probably one of the most inescapable movies on the planet. I would say. Um. So. While inescapable, I think, is a great uh, word to describe it, I did not actually see this film in the theaters. Um, Neither did I, actually. I know. Uh, Because the first time that um, either of us saw it was on the couch at um, my parents' home. Oh. I I thought I had seen it once before. Okay. Maybe he didn't tell you. Maybe he didn't tell me. My understanding. I brought my copy of the DVD. No, we rented it. Did we? Yes. It, <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is why you don't have couples on. Um, this is amazing. This okay. is such good radio. But here's what, no, here's what it is. Here's what it is. Yep. When we went to Need for Speed in the theater. Yeah. Frozen was still in the theater. <laughs> That's right. And we chose and we to had to choose. <laughs> <laughs> That's a longer story we don't need to get into. Tweet wow. me if you want to hear it. Um. <laughs> So I I believe it was like Redbox only. I don't think it was out when we watched it. I don't think it was. It was a movie I remember buying blind without having okay. seen it. Okay. Okay. Well, in that case, which was rare for me. Josh is right. He brought his copy. I was right. He hadn't yet seen it unless he lied to me <laughs> until this moment. We'll, we'll go with. Uh, we'll go with. Uh, we we both saw it at the same time. I like that. Yeah. Um. And then we have continued to watch it from time to time, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's been on in our house as much as it's been on in yours, Tobin. Tobin, could you share with us your history with this movie? 
I can. Yes. So I this movie was made by a friend of mine. Uh, it was co-written and or written and co-directed by uh, Jennifer Lee, who we've talked about before. She wrote um, A Wrinkle in Time, that we that, uh, an earlier episode of ours. Uh, and so I knew, you know, I knew as the movie was coming out, I knew this was, you know, so so I saw the movie early, but only once and th- not early, like before it came out. But I mean, I saw it before you all saw it, I think. <laughs> and then uh, my daughter uh fell in absolute love as many people do mm-hmm. with this movie with Elsa in particular and we have we, we I this movie has played more in our house than maybe anything else except a star except unless you count Star Wars all is one thing cuz my son is into Star Wars so yes we watch Frozen a lot in our house and we have a lot of Elsa costumes in our house a lot of Elsa <laughs> everything in our house to be yeah. to be fair which has always been fine with me in honor of your child. Um, last night we were watching this. I pointed out as she would have um, everyone's favorite song. Right. So Trixie's favorite song. <laughs> nice. Song, Iceland's favorite song. Yeah. Um, just to make sure that we all knew what was going on. So, so all, always on my mind. Did you point out my favorite character? She loves to point out my favorite character. Is I will. It, she did is, not. It, is it Weaselton? No, it's Sven, the reindeer. Oh, of course. Yes. We t- yeah. I mean, we talked about Sven. <laughs> Tobin, you've shared a little history in that you and Jennifer Lee went to school together. But um, may I have a couple more fun facts about Frozen? Yes. And then obviously, Josh, jump in as I'm as you probably know more about this history than I do. The first bit is that Disney had been trying to crack this story way back from 1943 is the first recorded mm-hmm. date that I could find that they were trying to make Hans Christian, Christian Anderson's the snow queen. Is it the That's ice right. queen or the snow queen? Snow queen, the right? Snow queen. Yep. They're trying to make the snow queen into, uh, into a uh, film and they've, and they sort of off and on, you know, through the Eisner years, they were close to making it at one point. And they, they had a real hard time cracking the story. So it's, it's a, a, a sort of property that has been in the, in development for a long, long time. The other bit is that, uh, as uh, Jen was taking on the the job of trying to write the move, movie, she got was added as a co-director later in the process. Um, so it, what, at the first uh, to begin with, she was just the, not just she was the writer of the film, and they were working on the movie and they had a, a script they were happy with and they were moving forward. But Elsa was uh, pretty villainous in it. And in her telling of it, in Jen's telling of it, um, the composers, uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez wrote, like they sent them a demo of let it go. And Jen's response was, we now have to rewrite this script because it broke open the Elsa character. It like gave her a reason. Uh, and, and there was so much more empathy uh, to that character, which it, I think is one of the things that, you know, it, that change makes this movie in a lot of ways. Oh, totally. uh, and I, and I think that uh, so anyway, that's the history that, that that was they were on the right track finally with Jen. And then the song came along and Jen had the foresight to say, OK, this needs to be we need to sort of rethink some of this stuff to make this the Elsa of the movie. Very cool. Yeah, that's great. Island, can you tell us who the ladies in charge were on this film? Women involved in major roles in Frozen. Absolutely. Writer, director, Jennifer Lee. Actors Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel. Associates producer Amy Scribner. Love it. I yeah. love all those 
those ladies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know Amy as well um, as the rest, but I mean, as a Rent fan from the mid nineties, yeah. and <laughs> and no, that's for you. And one of so you know you love one of the, one of the actors from Rent. The other oh, you love yes. from. <laughs> well, I didn't know if you were going from Rent to Wicked to Frozen. No, no, with no, Adina no, Menzel. Right, or true. Or we true. could go Adina Menzel Rent, and then Kristen Bell. I am Veronica Mars for. Ever. <laughs> yes, you are. I was, yes, a, you I was are. a swift adopter of the Kickstarter. <laughs> I still wear my Kickstarter t-shirt. Amazing. Um it is a it is a um a tribe. I'm so uh grateful to we're not grateful is not the right word. I'm so proud to be part of. Mm. I, I occasionally see people in their t-shirts as well mm. in the world. And you know, we're marshmallows. But in any <laughs> case. Um Tobin, would you give us a brief plot summary, please? Yes. Not that anyone in the world has not (laughs) seen that movie. At her coronation, Elsa of Arendelle accidentally unleashes the icy powers she's been trying to keep hidden since childhood, plunging her kingdom into an eternal winter. Her fearlessly optimistic younger sister, Anna, sets out to bring her back and set the world right. Along the way, she teams up with a mountain man, his loyal reindeer, and a snowman who dreams of summer. When Elsa's powers once again turn on Anna, the movie becomes a race to save Anna's life through an act of true love. But rather than the traditional kiss from a handsome prince, that act turns out to be the selfless sacrifice of one sister for the other. Mm, goosebumps. Nice. Goosebumps, I love it. <laughs> hey, Tobin, to yeah. tip off our discussion of the film, um, could we hear from another expert? Could we hear from Frozen's biggest fan? Yes, let this we'll go to the we'll go to the the main demographic for this movie. A, a four and a half year old child and who's who's loved this movie for years. Uh, and so let's hear what uh, what she has to say. Do you like the movie Frozen? Yeah. What do you like about it? That Elsa uses her powers. What kind of powers does she have? Frozen. And I like her sparkly dress. Do you like Anna too? Mm-hmm. No. Just Elsa. That just Elsa. Mm. That's all. So, uh, short attention span, but that's short, what we got. Short and sweet. <laughs> I, you know, the dress is a is a big component. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. I pointed out the hair. Yes. The hair flip mm-hmm. in yeah. Let it go is something I've seen her do. She's got that move down and the taking off of the gloves. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so let's get into it. Um, it opens with the Icemen. Which is a scene that I had completely forgotten about. Um, <laughs> but if you think about it, like each Disney fairy tale princess movie typically has some sort of um, either storybook ending, as is in the case with like the first three Disney princess movies, Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Later, they kind of tweak that a little bit in various ways. Um, like you get the stained glass in Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, right, um, right. And Or sometimes they'll, they'll open up with a song like in The Little Mermaid, another f- really forgettable song that unless you watch the movie a lot, like you're not going to really remember. Um, but uh, it's a good way to like introduce the theme of the story and introduce basically um, what the movie is going to be about and kind of the same kind of like fairy tale kind of opening. They just kind of, again, update it and tweak it a little bit. 
And Sven and Kristoff are there from the beginning. Right. So it's it's the first scene of the movie that intro- doesn't introduce the protagonist, which I think is interesting. They introduce kind of a, a side character, I guess kind of a, a love interest kind of character. Um, and the animal sidekick, which, again, is not mm. given to the princess character, which it has been traditionally. as kind of like shorthand. It's like, how do you not like a person who's so beloved by a furry, cuddly squirrel? <laughs> like, they, don't, they don't need to spend a lot of time on character development. They just have to give them an animal sidekick in order to kind right, of fall for the right, character, you know? Right, right. And, uh, they purposely don't do that with the princesses. They actually give them more screen time and actually give them more more character More development. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. feel like Anna is her own quirky sidekick. Oh, totally. In a way. Well, and I mean, we'll get more into the, <laughs> how like delightful and charming she, she is. Delightful. Because, yeah. Um, Anna, the character of Anna, because we meet them when they're children, and her first one of her first lines is, "The sky is awake, so I am awake." <laughs> and that also reminded me of your child. <laughs> yes, yes, my daughter is an early riser to this day. We also see, so we we meet Anna and Elsa, and and they have a early morning. Um, adventure with Elsa's powers, which leads to Anna getting hit for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that goes immediately to the trolls and the trolls are what I tend to forget. Uh-huh. And then okay. I remember and, and I love them and I don't know if they fit, but I love them. <laughs> right. So I think due to kind of um, the tumultuous production history of the movie and mm. the various variations of the script, I think, you know, there are some kind of, odd tonal shifts in the movie. Mm. And I think the trolls are, are kind of one example of that. And so I completely understand that reaction to it. I also, as much as I love the trolls and I love the troll song, um, yes. I feel like it's, you know, grandpappy troll really sets us on this course. If he had, um, if he had described the powers and what the consequences of them could be in a different way. If mm-hmm. he had said, she needs to cultivate this power or, um, you know, in a more Star Wars has come up several times in a more sure. Star Wars foreseen way, mm. then she needs to control them and, and don't be afraid. I mean, it's that, you know, don't think of a white bear. And sure. all you think of is white right, bear. So right. like, don't be afraid. Being afraid <laughs> makes it worse. Like, I think she was set up to be doomed in a little bit that way. Um, and so, I I get made fun of for this, but I often think of the way to solve the problem so the movie wouldn't exist. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right, and right. And so I think Grandpappy Troll could have taken Elsa under his wing a little bit and um, better explained, better Yoda'd her. Uh-huh, yep, um, right, right. So that her, her parents and herself didn't feel the, the um, pressure and that it was all, so that she wasn't alone and then, and then further needing to isolate. Like that just... You know, of course, it's going right. to hurt. It's going to hurt. Be- better mentorship but, would save yeah. this whole thing here. I think so. And again, yeah. but then I mean, there wouldn't be the conflict. Then there, the I, yeah, I, right, I understand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like from a storytelling perspective. Um, but I'm going to go back to the um, sort of. It's not a quote. It's a. It's a rephrasing of the um, uh, Jules Davis, um, who is known as the kitchen healer. Who I mentioned. I didn't mention her. I apologize, Jules. Um, but I mentioned the quote that if if women knew the wisdom of their bodies, we wouldn't be in this situation. Mm-hmm. And so I thought of that again. Mm, right, okay. right. So like, really if she had been, you know, asked to cultivate or asked to 
And um, properly informed too, given yes. given given sort of the a- agency over her own yes. body. Healthy sexuality is violence prevention, folks. I'm glad that we got to this place. Level <laughs> <laughs> we've never been able to appreciate this movie yet. And, yes, uh, yes. It's, hard, it's hard to find a level at which she's not able to hasn't appreciated. And then we immediately go to the classic Disney um, plot device mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the dead parents so orphanhood. yeah so you know, <laughs> I would, you know the first time seeing this i'm really excited it's like wait we're getting a disney princess movie where both parents are alive and we get to see them <laughs> nice it's try this is a little silly um i would like to just uh swing back a little bit and um just dig a little bit further into something that Islan alluded to a bit earlier and about how um, basically the lack of mentorship like results in a bunch of fear, right? And the main dynamic in most of the Disney princess um, fairy tale movies up to this point has been like a very black and white, good versus evil kind of, mm-hmm. you know, really easy themes. And this one, it, it does a little something a little bit different and that it's, it's love versus fear. Ooh. And um, that's really the, the scene that kind of sets up that theme throughout the movie. I like that love versus That's fear. Good. That comes from really- Jennifer Lee. I wish I could claim to have just been able to like glean that from my <laughs> experience watching the movie, but no, that's uh, that's a really clever writer director at work. Nice. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've got the fear on the one side, and then that leads to a lot of loneliness for poor Anna, yeah. both yeah. before and after her parents. Um, <laughs> You know, she's lonely, but I love that she's hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I do love her, you know, naive whimsy. Yeah. And it's very Kristen Bell to me. I think Kristen Bell, as in, in a number of roles and, and times, has been able to play um, naive but not dumb. Mm-hmm. Which is a thing we've talked about on this show before. I think back to the Wonder Woman episode. The, the yeah, you know, the, that's a it's a mm-hmm. that we are hopefully past the age of sort of ditzy naive and into sort of smart naive, like characters mm-hmm. who can be who can be you know um, full characters, but just not right. know things. And that that's Being naive doesn't make you stupid. It right. makes you innocent and therefore endearing. It, it's it's more of a charming kind of thing or, versus yeah. yeah, just yet not yet fully informed. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Right, uninformed. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I have in my notes that the situation turns it in, turns the whole movie into Anna's quest and Elsa's journey. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, oh, I had a wow. question. I, I, that which this brings up a question that you may have the answer to with that. So I'm going to ask the question now, if that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Whose movie is this? Like. Yeah, whose movie is this? Is this Anna's oh, movie or Elsa's awesome. movie? <laughs> I see. I think it's Sven's movie, but that's oh, just. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> speaking of Sven, I mean, let's just. The animators were so clever, and that they basically took the behavioral cues of a dog and animated him like a dog, and oh, just right, how fun that is to watch, and how like entertaining he is. Um, just, I mean, this is a character with no dialogue. He doesn't have um, any kind of consequential uh, plot, you know, um, service mm-hmm. to do. You know, you take Sven out of the movie and the events of the movie pretty much mm-hmm. unfold exactly the way that they right. do with him in the movie. I'm like, right. you know, like a, um, a Cinderella where the little mice actually um, affect the plot, affect the plot. Right. Yeah, you right. got it. 
Um, but that being said, like he's still such uh, a presence in the movie. And it's, I think it's just due to the really smart animators who, who made a really clear choice. And, and it, I think it totally works. As soon as you say that, I, I totally see what, what they've done. That's so smart. Um, Aizen, I think that, that the way that you said that where Anna has the journey, quest and Elsa has the journey, is that how you said that? Yes. Yes. And, but (laughs) can you hear Toots, Toe? Yes, I can. Okay. Okay, So Toots has got a squeaky chicken. (laughs) He loves. He loves to be part of the conversation. Yes, he's part of the, part of the conversation. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So I thought because Anna has a very specific task. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Find her sister to get winter stop to that. So I thought that was more questy. Mm-hmm. And along mm-hmm. that, she need, you know, she needs help and she needs to learn and she needs, um, you know, yeah, she learns things along the way. Um, but then Anna's is more of a self-discovery. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I do. We've all heard it too many times. But let it go is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like it. You're, you know, you, yes. In another movie or another iteration, Elsa would be a villain, like she was, right. you know, early on in the piece. But, um, but like you said, the the empathy that's built in, and and, um, she's sort of doing the best she can, and from her perspective, having been told that she needs to isolate and she needs to control this thing mm-hmm. running away to the furthest corner is the best thing she right. can do. And Makes that's where she her. can yeah. be herself. And so, so I get it. I, Hey, it doesn't sound too terrible. No, that's it's so you're so that's such a smart way to think of it that she, hers is internal. Like her, her journey is internal and that's then gets externalized with the power, which is kind of cool, but it has to do with, has to do with sort of an inter- internal journey that let it go. I have to say, so I've, I've not only have I seen this movie a lot, but I've listened to that song a lot. I mean, <laughs> there was a time when driving in the car, we moved back from New York when uh, my daughter was very young and she would cry all the time in the car. Cause she wasn't used to being in a car <laughs> subway. Sure. She'd be just fine. Putting her, putting her in a car. <laughs> she's, you know, scream her head off after about five minutes. And, and pretty soon the, th- one of the things that would, that would sort of, when she was a little bit, little bit older, the thing that sort of they loved to do in the car was listen to Frozen. So we would listen to this song on repeat back and forth to daycare every day and anytime we were driving anywhere. And even to this day, where, where sometimes she still requests it and I, we'll put it on, I, I will the, – the, the big hook of that song when it comes – will get me still. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it is, it retains a power, um, that for, for me anyway, even after all these times listening to it, there's, um, there's something to that song of, of unleashing yourself that is just so, so powerful that I, I'm glad is in her life is in my daughter's life. I want to skip back to the song before that. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, yeah. cause we got coronation we got the big party. We've got falling in love and so that's to me the song love is an open door had a really poignant title mm-hmm. um you know because she anna just is isolated by um circumstance not by choice i mean although i would say elsa's not by choice either but you know what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. like she's mm-hmm. you know left been so left and so is so excited that like the doors are opening and just wants sure. something and want and a wants human love. connection that's- yeah mm-hmm. and so that is, I kind of, it's literal a little bit for her that which kind of ties into an open the, door. The other 
huge song that this movie unleashed upon the world. And uh, do you want to build a snowman? Oh, yes. And which is the yes. first I want song really <laughs> of the true. movie. Super quick before we go back to that. For Hans, though, uh-huh. Love is an Open Door is an opportunistic thing, right? We find out later oh, because he's right. the 13th you know, son of this kingdom. He's so, never going to get any yeah. power. So for him, the open door is opportunism to take advantage of this um, naive Brave. creature. Yeah. And so yeah. when okay. I saw it this time, I was like, oh, clever, clever. Yeah, that's smart. It, it, They're smart. This is this is kind of my problem with Hans in the movie. Um, in that, so the 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 turn at the end that that leads into the third act, right, where Hans is revealed to be the bad guy, which is also interesting for a princess movie because usually the bad guy is really apparent really early on in the movie. It's like always oh, the bad guy. I'm really unsure, <laughs> you know. Um, that the the song is so sweet, and um, up until now I hadn't really considered the fact that he considers an open door to mean something completely different from Anna. And I think the audience, you know, when they're when they're listening to that song and, and viewing that experience the first time, hey, they're they're get to, getting to see a prince and a princess actually fall in love instead of just okay, they're supposed to fall in love because they're a prince and a princess, which Disney sometimes takes for granted in some of their past Disney princess movies. It's kind of nice that you actually get to see that process, but I feel that like other than that really subtle clue that you picked up after having seen it several times. Right. Oh yeah. It was only because I knew where he was going to be. I I feel that like that turn is kind of unearned and that you didn't really give a whole lot of clues to the audience. It's like a murder mystery in which they reveal the twist at the end. They explain it like the Sherlock Holmes ending. And um, you feel cheated because you're like, okay, not that I was going to notice any of those clues, but at least they were there. And had I been attentive and clever enough, I could have picked up on that and piece it together myself. I don't feel like you get that with Hans. Interesting. And and one other thing I'd like to say about that and that, you know, she doesn't get a villain song because obviously that would undermine the twist. But the, the villain never actively um, misleads the audience through song ever they, they'll mislead the protagonist like ursula will uh, right unfortunate soul to ariel to try to get her to do what she wants but like she's also giving a nudge nudge wink, wink to, to, to flotsam and jetsam over here yeah. it's like okay i got her now boys uh-huh. and so like the audience therefore is getting that nudge nudge wink wink too and uh-huh uh-huh the villain never actively tries to deceive the audience through song. Song is the most pure form of expression in most of these movies and that they, they actually get to say exactly what they feel, which Uh in screenwriting is typically not how you want to go. Right. But it works in kind of this format. Right. For sure. For sure. And so like when you, as the audience going through this movie the first time and you're seeing this really sweet, charming kind of romance kind of blossom. And then like you get that turn later, I can understand how like, the audience would feel cheated at that moment. And I certainly felt cheated. And I think that was one of the reasons, like when I first reacted to this movie after having seen it for the first time, I was a little underwhelmed. And that's not entirely the movie's fault because all the hype it generated, no no movie can can Uh live up to that amount of hype. Right. Good as it may be. Um, And Frozen is certainly a wonderful movie and I've come to appreciate it after several viewings, but I was very kind of down on the movie and you know i found it charming and likable but i you know movies like tangled which had come out just prior to that and played very much in the same kind of sandbox but they didn't 
they played more to the Disney tropes. They played more to what your expectations mm-hmm. were going to be. Right. They're like, okay, we're, we kind of say goodbye to the 2d animation. We're going now into 3d. So we're taking you to this new era, but look, there's all this familiar stuff, all the art direction cues from past Disney movies. And so like, it felt very familiar, even though it was, you know, it was a, it was a 3d movie and they were going in a new direction as a company. This movie, they don't really play to those tropes. They really try to really subtly undermine those tropes and subvert Mm -hmm. those tropes in really clever ways. And I didn't really appreciate that in the first time. I just wanted something familiar, like what I was used to. Right, right. Like, I know what a Disney princess movie, we all know what it is, because Disney has spent decades making them. (laughs) Right. They're they're imprinted on our brain, yeah. Exactly. Even if you've never seen one, although that's incredibly unlikely, it's so embedded in the pop culture that you know all the tropes by heart. Right. And other movies try to, you know, subvert those tropes. And I think much more like overt and like schlocky kind of ways. Movies like Shrek, not to be down on Shrek. I think Shrek is a fine film, but like it, it tries to do some of the same things. But obviously its tone is very different from Frozen. And I appreciate the more subtle approach that Frozen goes about subverting some of those um, princess genre tropes, which Disney itself has you know, perpetuated, you know, throughout all these decades. So it's, it's really clever for those reasons, I think. So I think having not, not having the same level of appreciation, um, as you do, Josh, um, and also as a sociologist, (laughs) I'm always looking to, you know, pull holes and, and ask, you know, the, the worst answer to a question for me is, is of like, why do we do that is well, cause that's what we've always done. Totally. So I think I was immediately refreshed on it, on the first viewing mm-hmm. of this, that um, for one thing, it's because of the, the way that they've empathized Elsa, you have, you know, two female protagonists yeah. or a protagonist and mm-hmm. a something, but mm-hmm. like you've got two female leads um, in a similar way um, to how you have that in Wicked. Which and I and on on my other podcast where we talk about Broadway musicals. <laughs> Just kidding. If only I had the I will time. Not be a guest on that Joey one. podcast. We'll put it in the lineup. <laughs> um, you know there are all kinds of critiques. Um, don't tell Uncle Mark. There's all kinds of critiques I have about Wicked. Um, but what I so love is that there are two female leads who, by the end, get to um, follow their own paths. And, and do what they need to do and respect each other, even though they're very different. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, I felt like it was about damn time. Totally. Um, well, well, I, you know, I've only, <laughs> I've only watched Tangled once when it becomes Keely's favorite, I'll watch it more times. Sure. Um, <laughs> and I like, you know, I liked a lot of the things about it, but. Um, Rapunzel's dress isn't nearly as pretty as Elsa's. I don't think it'll <laughs> ever, true. ever come to that. But so I think I was less, um, jostled by the um shifts and i was more um just ready for that that change and sure in the mm-hmm. genre and, and I'm, I'm able to appreciate the movie for the way it it, it changed things mm-hmm. that's the reason why i i think i'm i'm so high on the movie now mm-hmm. after having seen it several times and being able to appreciate it for the way it does subvert kind of those expectations mm-hmm. and kind of those genre tropes but my first viewing I was expecting something, you know, kind of something familiar, something that, you know, yeah. I had seen time and time again because sure. Disney had delivered the same thing more or less. They tweak it every now and then. Obviously, you know, they're they're updating 
various they're they're tweaking the model, mm-hmm. but the model's pretty much tried and true, and they hew pretty closely to it. Sure. Um, and this, I think, is one of the the bigger um, mm-hmm. divergences they make yeah. with the movie. Hey, that t- and Mulan, which is also really let's yeah, we are talking about Mulan we'll all there. day. <laughs> um, Tobin, you also have a, a boy child, a child who is a who is a son. I do. Um, is he a fan of Frozen? He is. I, you know, he he does not mind if Frozen comes on. It's not one that he that he picks. Um, sure. uh, mostly, he's learned to live with it, like we all have. <laughs> What's his favorite character? Oh, you know that's a good question. Um, I, he he would probably say Kristoff is his favorite character. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's who he would. You know, the kids often they talk about who they want to be in the movie. You know, and mm-hmm. and so and he would say he wants to be Kristoff. I think. Um, awesome. Yeah, he, his his taste uh, has diverged along more or less traditional gender lines. Um, sure. and you know, I for Disney plays to those traditional gender lines too. So yeah. let's call out Disney for yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> He, he lives in the culture, and we yeah. are. Um, but but no, but it's it's a movie that he that he doesn't mind having on. He doesn't mind when the songs come on. Although he does think when when we're choosing songs in the car, because sometimes I let him choose back and forth, that he thinks Frozen's mm-hmm. way too long, or let it goes way too long. <laughs> he, he's choosing much shorter songs. But anyway, yeah, songs. he 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 yeah, he doesn't mind it. Uh, and um, you know, the other interesting thing is that there are a number of adults in my life who had not seen it before my daughter watched it with them. There's a, there's a, you know, uh, see they're out there. Yeah. There's, a, there's some, <laughs> not, after, not after your kid's been around. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I mean, KP just needs to go out and preach the good word. Right. And they all, almost to a person, they, they come in with, you know, well, they all come in with expectations of, as you were saying, Josh, of what a Disney movie is. And then they will, almost all be very pleasantly surprised as the movie goes along. And it turns out that it's not in many ways, not the usual thing. It's not giving you some of the things that you, that you come to expect while at the same time, there's enough, you know, the, there's enough there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, um, I've, I'm, it's always been fun to watch, uh, my daughter show it to people who don't know it and for them to have such positive reactions. Cause that's almost always the, what, what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the, your, your son would, you know, probably pick Kristoff. I think it's a great character. Like we've talked a lot about, mm-hmm. you know, Elsa Nana, which are, is our most important, but, but I think Kristoff has a lot to do. I, I think I, I love that he challenges Anna. Sure. Yeah. Um, at various points, you can't marry a man you just met. And... <laughs> I mean, that's a callback to a joke that Elsa originally gives, right? right? But yeah, um, which again, it it's a fun, clever like love at first sight doesn't exist, even though it mm-hmm. exists in all these other Disney princess movies. It's like, oh, that's a fun way to subvert that trope, you know? Right, because at first, when it like when Love is an Open Door first happens, I'm like, oh, here we go again. Uh-huh. Well, and the audience is on board because that they expect, okay, this is the right. This is what happens in this movie. Right. We get right. it. Okay, of course, this is what's going to happen now. Yeah, yeah, right. And then when when they pull the rug out from underneath that, and they're like, oh, okay, we set up this trope just so we can knock it down. It's like that's really satisfying when it happens. Totally. Anyway, I just like Kristoff. Um, and I, I think how do you dislike they, a character that that Sven likes? It, I'm just exactly yes. that you pointed out. Right. Of course, right. we're gonna love him because Sven if, likes if him. If Sven likes him, he's got to be okay. Yeah. I and, mean, and the first line he he says is, 
carrots. It's like he doesn't say, excuse me, or, uh, pardon me, you're in my, you know, can I get behind? No, he doesn't do like what a polite, like well-adjusted person would <laughs> Not do. Not what a prince would right. do. Right. He, he says something really rude. Now, we know behind the graphic exterior he's okay because Fen likes him. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And um, there's also Olaf. Yes, we should talk about and- Olaf. I would love to. I understand that Olaf is supposed to be. Well, I don't know if supposed to be. I understand that as an adult, I should probably find Olaf irritating on some uh-huh. level. He's a little grating. He's so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love him. So I think what works about Olaf is again we're we're speaking to that um, naivety without being mm-hmm. ditzy. He's he's so pure and so innocent that like. And and we're shown that with his love of summer, like he loves the idea, but he doesn't understand the consequences of summer, what, Mm -hmm. you know, happens to ice in summer and the funny line or I'll be a happy Happy snowman. snowman. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so cute and so innocent and so naive that like you can't help but fall in love with him a little bit is as grating as he kind of is on occasion. Mm -hmm. No, I love the, just the straight, like to camera. I don't have a skull. Yeah, uh-huh. we're bones. We're bones. <laughs> and then the other one is when they're going off to see the trolls. That then he turns back to Anna and says, "I like to think of myself as a love expert." <laughs> like right. to me, that just sounds like something dumb I would say. <laughs> <laughs> like when I don't understand what's going mm-hmm. on, and I just talk about it like I know. You know, like the party. <laughs> My favorite moment of his is, is when they're walking and he's, I'm sure she's just the loveliest, sweetest, most wonderful person. And he's like, oh, I've been impaled. So so that we have a little descent, um, the Olaf what? sections are the sections of the movie when my daughter is watching it that I will get up and go to other things. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I totally I, I'm, I'm, it, it does grate on me a, a little bit, maybe partly because there's an element of um, – Oh, I don't know. It's not quite baby talk, but there's a, mm-hmm. you know, it's I get a little, that. maybe yeah, some yeah, of it's yeah. a little too cute by half. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, I don't sure. think that's wrong for the movie. I'm just not the audience for that because, you know, the. and I also think what's, what's very interesting that we haven't touched on yet is the way this movie was marketed, which mm-hmm. if you recall, yes. the first trailers for the, the movie did not let you know it was a musical. And they they were dark and they and, and, and they lean. This has so many songs in it. Yeah. Yes, yes. I remember a student uh, of mine that I was teaching at, at the time came into class and and we were talking about what movies we seen that weekend. I said I went to Frozen. He said I didn't know it was going to be a musical. <laughs> <laughs> and and they leaned heavily into Olaf in those first ads and. Mm. And the adventure, and you know, they were they were um, sure. as I understand it, this is they the had been scope. It's epic. It's they, big. Right. Yeah. They they had been Absolutely. burned by Tangled. It is all that, and mm. they, because because boys ha- didn't want to go see Tangled, and so they wanted to make sure that they had oh, a movie that boys out, wanted man. to go see too. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with you, and I and I think they knew that they what with Tangled they had a good movie that they it was felt a like the opportunity right. they marketed differently, and right. they tried to overcompensate for it this time. Exactly, yeah. and I think it was probably very smart. I think that even though this student of mine came back, this this young man came back and said it was it was it was going to be a musical, but then he really enjoyed it. You know, yeah. like it wasn't like it was a musical, and I didn't and I didn't like it. It was the songs you know, are great. Yeah. yeah, like they kind of, but but they did kind of. Um, they came into some criticism when the movie was 
out that they were marketing it so so that, mm-hmm. uh, heavily that way at first until mm-hmm. of course then it becomes a hit and the song becomes so huge and everybody kind of right. knows um, regardless of what the marketing is enough people saw it that word of mouth is like people know yeah. what they're in for right you, you know exactly mm-hmm. right my favorite trailer for frozen and i will put it on my twitter because I'm trying to be back on Twitter, um, <laughs> is the mashup where it is Fifty Shades of Grey audio and Frozen <gasps> video as a trailer. Oh, wow. It is upsetting in the best way. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and as we have discussed that at some point we're going to have to talk about Fifty Shades, uh-huh. yep. Um, yep. based on the premise of this podcast, I think um, I'll put it on Twitter and then I'll put it on Twitter again when um, – or I'll, I'll – pointed out on Twitter. I'm certainly not the first one to do it. Guys, I've um, had too many progressive movies. We right, need exactly. We need, we need one. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Twilight up to this point? But yeah, it is a, it is a, <laughs> it is a delightful a delightful mashup. But um, hearing a story about your student makes me wonder what the universe where I didn't know Let It Go until I watched the movie would look like. Mm. Like that must, that must have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having not heard it <laughs> A million times on the radio. I mean, right. yeah, yeah. I heard right. that song the was on the radio. Video, right. Yeah, yeah. You can't, so you can't pervasive. come to it clean. Yeah, yeah. You can't, yeah. You can't get away from it. Um, hey, Tobin. Speaking of music, do yeah. you know which song is my favorite in Frozen? No, tell me. Keeler does. It's the Fixer Upper song. It's the Troll song. Oh, with the Troll song, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's a that's a catchy song. I mean, I they're, all, they're all good songs. They're all good songs. But yeah. So that that Keeler will point out as mine. And perhaps at first I just had to pick a favorite because I needed to answer that question for your child. But um, <laughs> well, And you weren't allowed I, to have it, something that anybody else liked as their favorite. Sure. Yeah. You had some fright of it. Anyway, um, I again, I don't know if the trolls fit on, you know, in, entirely, but uh-huh. but I like them. They're they're on their own. I think they're great. I think when you're taking in the whole of the movie, I think they're a little bit of a tonal shift mm-hmm. and they're probably a remnant of an earlier mm-hmm. draft. And right. They didn't want to get rid of it. And so they tried to make it suit, you know, the new version and it does 90%. There's yeah. just that 10% that doesn't quite make well, it. And it. Yeah. Cause it wraps it up the way Kristoff was there the first time, right. although he seems to not remember the princesses, which is fine. A lot of people don't remember being young. I do, but sure. a lot of people don't. Um, <laughs> and so then he is attempting to save the day. Mm-hmm. to bring her back to, you know, his people who have magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, and, anyway. th- and that's weird too, right? So he doesn't remember the princesses, mm-hmm. but he remember he remembers that the trolls can help mm-hmm. because he's seen something like it before. Yeah. So it, it's, a little cloudy, I don't but... know. I don't know if that's necessarily a plot hole, or if there's actually like a <laughs> like a like a in movie explanation for that that we just missed. Right. Um, well, it's sort of like I mean, Tobin. I remember when we were kids, there was a chimney fire at our house. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the details I remember of that are actual details of it, or details right. that people sure. told me. Sure. Right. Right. I remember myself standing outside and firemen and all that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that aren't happened in the way I remember it. You right. know, Christoph remembers that, that the trolls help someone. He does, doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, mean that those people are princesses and that these are the same people that he's sure. I mean, yeah. Sure. Like, Oh, I remember your hair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Again, I would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what else? Do, I mean, I feel like in this movie in particular, People know it so well. I don't know that we have to, to stick really, to plot. Yeah, too much. we yeah. have jumping all over. Right. So, um, let me let me say yeah, this because um, 
Yeah, because I haven't said enough already. <laughs> yeah, I could probably shut up a little bit more. Um, but let me say this, because uh, I find Anna an absolute delight in terms of a Disney princess. And she's so relatable as a person. Like, she says, I don't know if I'm elated or gassy. And it's like, can you imagine Princess Aurora being gassy? Like, right, right, the canon right. of that movie, does that really make sense? It's like, no. <laughs> you know, the Disney princess has usually been a picture of like purity and perfection and other right. words that you know <laughs> uh, but uh we're given um a princess that looks and behaves a lot more like people actually behave not just women but people and like the insecurities that she has and she's able to voice and it's like you never get to really see um in in Cinderella mm-hmm. um her insecurities really you know um the 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 disney model has always been like okay they're they're kind they're generous we know that because animals like them and they don't generally have like a huge arc in the movie the the princess at the end of the movie is usually the princess at the beginning Mm -hmm. except at the end she's usually hitched right um but but what happens or or we feel like at the end um, whatever they get, they deserve it because they've gone through so much. Basically the model has always been, we're going to put this kind person through hell and right. um, they're never going to like rise to the bait. They're going to, you know, Cinderella, she just kind of takes it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she, there's the deus ex machina of the, the fairy godmother. Same thing with Aladdin. Aladdin's just a gender bent princess movie. Um, <laughs> And fairy godmother is the genie, and you know, gender bent princess movie is the name of my new band. <laughs> I would listen to that band. Thank you. Um, sorry, I interrupted. Oh, anyway, I, I mean, I, I just think Anna's given an arc. She actually has growth. You know, that's not always been the case in a lot of the Disney princess right. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually, you know, uh, we put them through hell. We we like them because they're kind and they go through hell and and whatever you know their happy ending is they deserve it and here we get something you know we get the happy ending we get the love interest we get the kiss there's just enough that's familiar Mm -hmm. you know they they play to enough tropes that it's still like like we've been saying this whole time it's still the disney princess movie they're still playing with the same toys in the same sandbox but Mm -hmm. they 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 do update it and tweak it in enough ways where it does feel really fresh and new and anna i think is really emblematic of that anna Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, you know it's, it's it's interesting because I don't think of this as a princess movie, and I recognize that they are princesses, but maybe that's why because mm-hmm. they feel so much more like characters like than caricatures. Yeah. You know, the, mm-hmm. than than you know, perfect, pretty, perfect, pretty princesses. That there's exactly the, princess. Yeah, yeah, that there's that there's something about the uh, because they're given so much more. To, they're both given so much more to do. That sure. I that it feels you know if you tell me to list princess movies I start with the with other ones you're talking about I start with Cinderella I start with Snow White I start with Sleeping Beauty the ones that, that hew a little bit more closely to the tried and true model right Ex- exactly exactly and and this yeah, and this yeah. and so and so there's there's something uh, they they've really cracked something here I think there's it's no surprise to me that this is what is as beloved as it is is it a much better movie than something like Tangled I don't know that it is I mean. It, Probably, I would probably say it is, but but I'm not, but not by so much that it sh- that it should be qu- this much more successful financially, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that, th- I think sh- this movie is this movie is tapping into something very particular that I think people didn't know they were hungry for, uh, in a, in the same kind of way that 
you know, that I was at Wonder Woman where I didn't know that I was missing the thing that I was then getting that I was so hungry, so thirsty mm-hmm. for that. So I, I'm, yeah, you say, you say princess movie and I, I intellectually recognize that this is one, but I, but I don't sort of connect with it in, in this, uh, you know, to, to, with that label in the same way. While we're talking about the ways that it is innovative um, or, and otherwise different, let's, as we've been skipping around anyway, let's talk about the end and the act of true love. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because that, I, I love so much again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's wickety in that way. And also reminds me a bit of a uh, term paper I wrote in college about <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And well, please um, do tell. And how, thank you. I was waiting for the invitation. <laughs> and how um, in the like love relationships didn't save the day. In fact, they often made the day worse. And it was because of romantic relationships that like shit went real bad, but it was a, a friendship love or an, an loyalty beyond romance mm-hmm. that would save the day. Mm-hmm. And I have specific examples. We'll not get into them right now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but so to, uh, to, to me, I was surprised that that's, you know, at the, at the time it happened, I was the first time I saw it, I was surprised, but then also it was something familiar. It felt like something that I knew, like, oh, I know that is a deeper connection, mm-hmm. I right. mean, depending on your romantic entanglement. But like, <laughs> you know, that is has potential to be a a, a better solution. Mm-hmm. It's just so often not the solution that we find in a movie such as this. Sure. So for me, that worked real well. Did it work for y'all? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, in a word, in a word, in a yes, word, yes. <laughs> totally. Um, and here's, I think why it worked for me is because Disney has, has taught us, you know, what, what true love means in a Disney movie. And it's usually uh, a symbolic gesture. It's usually loves true kiss. And they, they even say something to that effect. They, they play to right. that. Well, the trolls suggest it like, right. Oh, I bet this will help. Right. These yeah. Trolls yeah. Are not nearly as helpful. It looking turns back out now. these trolls are. Turns yeah. 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 Maybe <laughs> troll rules don't translate to human rules. <laughs> but so, I mean, they're, they, they know that that expectation is out there, whether they have to suggest it or not. And they do suggest it, mm-hmm. but they're just covering their bases, right? They're just playing it safe. They don't, they could probably take that line of dialogue out. And I think the reveal of what true love actually means in the context mm-hmm. of this story would be just as powerful because mm-hmm. they've already built that expectation. They've been doing it for decades over however many Disney, Disney princess movies. I should have counted them before coming on the, con- <laughs> the podcast. But that's- Did it work for you, Toe? Yeah, this totally works. This is a, this gets me, this is another thing, part that gets me to this day. There's sort of two moments in this movie that I still get like a lump in my throat at. One of them is the, at that moment in the crescendo of the let it go song, the climax of that song. And this mm-hmm. moment at the end, this, this does not, I, I it's not lost any of its power for me. And I feel like it's, I probably so here's what i wonder 30 years from now someone watches frozen for the first time does this moment i'd be curious to how, how the moment strikes them because i don't know how much of it for me is all of the disney expectations that i have built up that you're talking about josh how much of it is is that being smashed with this new thing and the fact that it's new to me is part of its power and how much of it is is the potency of the moment itself and it, it would be interesting to someone who has seen you know 14 disney movies post frozen that sure. maybe begin mm-hmm. to play with this idea in in other new ways too will it will it will it be as 
potent for them. I imagine it it, it will be. I imagine it'll be close, but I wonder if it will be as. I think I think it works on both levels, though, right? Because I mean, if if you take away all the expectations that we have of Disney princess movies, although that's really hard to do given the company that's making this movie, right, Mm -hmm. and the way they launched their their feature film canon. Um, But if if you try to just take away all of that and just accept the um, emotional story on its own terms, I think it's also just they do enough character building and they do enough hard work that it does pay off because it's just they're good storytellers. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think you're right. I, I imagine that it has to do with the t- amount of time that we spend with these characters in the in the opening. We get some we get time with them at the beginning and then how I, mm-hmm. much we identify with them over the course of of the things they're asked to do and the things that are done to them. And, you know, we, we, we see them grow and we see them change. We see them fight with themselves and with each other. And, and it's, it's, there's something, there's something supremely satisfying about this being the end of this movie. And then maybe, maybe it is just sort of extra sauce that it also happens to be sort of demolishing this previous cliche that we've, exactly. that we've become used to that, that is less, that feels then less true once we've seen this. Right. It, it, again, if the if the movie's main purpose is to just subvert Disney princess genre tropes, then then we have another it's Shrek. A movie. Right. 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 And, right. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with Shrek. It, it, it's trying to be something different. And I would argue, in terms of like some of the gender stuff, it doesn't go that far to subvert. But you're right. No, but I get what you're saying. Right. I get what you're saying. Right. Yeah. It's very Disneyfied, right? Yeah. They play it very safe. I, you know, we. It's a different podcast. Let's give them let's give them credit where they deserve it, but let's also recognize that they could have gone farther with right. it. Right, sure. right, certainly, right. But th- this is a, a huge multinational conglomerate with you know a lot of interests at stakes, and they certainly want to appeal to the widest audience possible. They want to do they want to deliver this really positive, uplifting message, mm-hmm. and I think they do it. But they also want to you know get that message out to as many people as possible, right. and. Yeah, Obviously, I mean, they did a good job because they made a crap load of money. Well, and yeah, with any <laughs> you know thing like this, there different folks have different interests, right? Totally. I mean, mm-hmm. there right. are. I'm sure there are people within the corporation. You know, I, I know blasphemous in this house to say it, but that could give a shit whether they subvert gender role expectations or not, right? Oh, totally. But They're I just after the bucks. It's a nice combination of of folks. Um, um, Jeffrey Katzenberg in the '90s specifically said, "I'm not interested in the Academy Awards. I'm in the mm. I'm I'm interested in the box office awards. Right. I just want to make money." Now that paper. Granted, he's that's the attitude that gave us like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and The Lion King, and so like two out of three, I'm a fan, and, ev- <laughs> and eventually Shrek. And, and he later, after after <laughs> leaving Disney, Disney yep. he he started up DreamWorks Animation, right? Yep. And he, he tried to kind of follow the Disney formula the first couple of tries with uh, uh, Prince of Egypt. Okay, I'm um, in the wrong podcast suddenly. But uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, we, really got, <laughs> we really got off the rails, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like this is a company that that is we're kind of getting lost in this this great uplifting message that it's delivering, and, and it should be applauded for that. But I mean. Yeah. Ultimately, the, the movie was was meant to fulfill one purpose, and that's that's make money for for the company. And it, always, it, at least it did that. Always you know? here to distill it down to the the um, Eeyore of it right. all. Well, <laughs> the, the, the movie the movie ultimately was able to do both. I think is is yeah. part, oh, part totally. of it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a success on many many levels. <laughs> um, okay. As much as I love this movie, I. I am at a point where I would like to play a game. Let's play a game. Do you have anything else to say? No, let's play a game. I love you games. Okay. 
gentlemen, this game is called Animate Me. <laughs> now, we are living in an era where a lot of, um, there, uh, it feels suddenly uh, uh, like everything is getting a live action treatment. The Jungle Book. Yeah. Beauty and uh, the Beast. Mm-hmm. Move on. Um, so I have some movie pairings here. We're going to do the opposite. I'm going to give you a, a movie pairing. And you have to tell me which one deserves an animation reboot and why. Now, there are correct Uh. answers here. (laughs) Points will be awarded. Now, I understand that with large franchises, Mm -hmm. such as Star Wars, Avengers, other things, there are animated versions. But I'm talking about this particular film. Mm -hmm. Should it be animated versus the other one? Kind of and why, Amazing. you know, where, where's the old laugh of it? Okay. Okay. So we'll do a couple pairings here. I have, I, I sort of paired them by genre, if you will. So we'll start okay. with um, uh, 2015. We've got Star Wars The Force Awakens versus Avengers Age of Ultron. Which are you going to animate? Oh, oh I got an answer. Do we both go or does this? Oh, you will each go and I will determine the winner. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 So I would, I would suggest that we animate, um, uh, the Avengers movie because okay. I don't really want to touch the force awakens movie. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Josh. Um, I feel the, the force awakens itself is a quasi remake already. And therefore a remake of a remake. We're really starting to, you know, <laughs> it's, we're getting to the, 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 the clone of a clone and, and multiplicity. multiplicity. We don't, we don't <laughs> want number four. Is, it Doug? is, it Doug? is, is that his name? The fourth clone? I like pizza. I like <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and, and, Steve, to be—that's for all be of fair, our publicity fans seen, out there. I've only seen the, the Avengers: Age of Ultron movie the one time. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't really have a strong reaction to the movie. So maybe it deserves. A so remake. maybe it deserves a remake. That maybe they could boot it up a little bit. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna award no points because you picked the same answer, and I didn't feel a strong why from either of you. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't have the same reason why, though. Okay. True, but I didn't find either of them <laughs> very warranted a point. Under, Harsh okay. but fair. I know. Harsh okay. fair. Also 2015, also franchisey. Mm-hmm. Would you animate Furious 7 or Spectre? Interesting. Spectre, was that the James Bond film? It was indeed. Okay. Um, and I have, so full disclosure, um, I've only seen the first Fast and the Furious movie. Me too. No, that's not true. I've seen one um, other one, but yeah, okay. We're basically yeah, in the same I, boat. Uh, yep. Wait, wait. We put I, I it in to here for our episode. Too Fast, Too Forever. <laughs> yes, our crossover yep. fans. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. It was a fun episode. Um, Thank you. Y- we have very similar views on, on the movie. <laughs> um, not to get into that. You already have a full episode about that one. Um, oh, go visit Too Fast, Too Forever, Lap 2, Episode 1. If you want to find out what we think of Fast <laughs> That's Spirit. exactly right. We'll call that. So, Serious 7 versus Spectre, folks. So, animate? considering that I have no idea what one of the movies actually is. I guess I'll go with the movie that I know, um, which would be Spectre, which I saw the one time. It was a fine film. I'm not the biggest James Bond fan. He's another character that most of the time for most of the franchise doesn't have an arc. He's the mm-hmm. same at the end as he is at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now with the Daniel Craig movies, they do try to you know change that a little bit. Um, parkour but- makes everything. <laughs> parkour makes everything. <laughs> parkour, parkour. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Spectre is my answer. Spectre. Uh, Tobin, do you have an answer? Yeah, so I'm going to say Furious 7 is the clear choice because it's basically a cartoon already. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Let's let's do a full animation. Also, I feel like um, uh, uh, Vin Diesel is, you know, he 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 has done some nice voiceover animation work. Uh, the the Iron Giant, mm-hmm. Groot. Uh, the you know, Iron he Giant. is a he is he has a voice for cartoons. So I think that we should animate Furious Seven. Uh, I yeah. He's right. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, I give out the picture. But number two, I would say Furious 7 is correct. While cartoon Javier Bardem needs to happen. Oh, yeah. um, Spectre, and I haven't seen all the That would be a No Country for Old Men animated. (laughs) That's true. I should have added that. um, That's the write-in candidate. um, It's because the secret... A feminist answer is that it's so egregious to me that in Spectre, a woman shares um, being a, a survivor of sex trafficking and like the next scene, Bond surprises her in the shower. <laughs> yeah. I, I just can't even with that. So Furious 7 is a clear winner. Okay, we're going to switch switch the um, tone. Okay. Yes. Deadpool versus Bad Moms. Which would you animate? I have an answer for this. No, you, go Toby? for it. Bad Moms. Um, we have a lot of animated superheroes. Deadpool is a very heightened character already. You mentioned that the Fear Seven is basically a live action cartoon. I, I would argue that Deadpool is is you know very much of the same kind of cloth, cut from the same cloth. Um, Bad Moms, I feel, um, was a very um, delightful and pleasant movie. I feel that they could have pushed the moms to be badder than they were, and now we you know in an animated mm. um, take, you can really push it i think a bit further nice. oh that's a great nice. answer okay just that's for the really sake of answer. points i'm gonna have to go the other way so i gotta build a good case for uh deadpool so here's what i would do it's the big <laughs> class i love it <laughs> yes exactly so i i think what we have to do absolutely is animate deadpool and here's why deadpool ushered in this wave or what will maybe become a wave of r-rated um uh superhero movies with go all mm-hmm. out with with sure. the violence and the language and the off-color jokes and i think that the untapped play of animation in a big budget scale, Sausage Party um, being the exception that proves the rule, is crude, violent, R-rated um, cartoons for adults, animated films for adults. So I'm going to say we animate Deadpool to 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 really pull off what Deadpool, uh, the the, what, mm-hmm. the thing that Deadpool began. That's a compelling case. It's a good case. Um, it's a good case. I say point still goes to Josh, but. Um, but I, that was a great case, Tobin. You I did chose it. The, the Kristen Bell movie. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the answer to Kristen Bell. It was all strategy. I have, I have not um, seen either of those films. Oh, okay. If you are interested in an R-rated comedy, it's not a film, but please check out Big Mouth on Netflix. Yes. It is uh, so yes. funny and yes. so inappropriate. Yes. The Hormone Monsters. The Hormone here, Monsters here, are my here. favorite. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, two more two or more. one more? Okay. Um. <laughs> next we have a uh, the next two are dedicated to josh because he's sitting next to me um first we have classic horror yes. the shining versus the exorcist holy shit <laughs> i'm sorry wow. <laughs> yeah that's hard Which would you animate? i have not sworn up to this point <laughs> in the podcast <laughs> 
which I think is pretty good because uh, somehow here, so I get pretty passionate about those Disney princess movies, but um, I also love (laughs) classic classic horror films and. I have an answer. While you you think about it, it. I have an answer. I would animate The Shining for two reasons. One, because there is something so unnerving about the precision of the framing of that movie and the pace of that movie that I think would be even Mm -hmm. eerier, like rotoscope animated like they could, they, you could do some really oh, really off kilter like cool Ralph Bakshi, yeah Lord of the Rings yeah style. imagine like, that yeah. version okay. of the shining the other thing is that the exorcist since all of that stuff is so the, the stuff done in that movie is so it was done practically so many of the special effects were just done on set mm-hmm. with like shaking the bed and like sp- spitting the pea right. soup. Like there's something, there's something really magical really about all the horror right. in that movie actually happening in that room that I would hate to dilute mm-hmm. with animation. Mm. Um, all right. So, so because you chose the shiny, <laughs> I don't have a strong opinion about either movie. I think I would very much like to see the, animated adaptations of either one of them i'm going to choose the exorcist and this is why so as much of all those fun practical effects are um and and that's really just a small portion of the movie most of the movie is really about what's really scary about the movie is not what the demon is doing to reagan mm-hmm. um the little girl who's possessed it's what all the doctors that's true are doing. god you're right that's true and the priest, yeah and and I, I think the way that they portray that in the movie is already perfect. But again, you could just heighten all of that to such a degree in animation because it's already a heightened um, version of reality anyway. Um, and that would be a really fun dynamic to play with in animation. Oh, that's hard. I think you both get a point, mm. which keeps the tie, which means we have to do the tiebreaker. <laughs> yes. Are you ready? Oh, boy, I don't know now. That's I did not think you could find a, a way to a reason to do the Exorcist over the Shining, but if there is a way, I you was, did it. That's, yeah, that was, was really it. reaching. That's that good. Okay, this is a three-way versus. So um, even if someone picks one, you still oh, have okay. an option okay. of two others, uh, and it's contemporary horror. Um, and I, it was hard because I do not see very many. I was going to say, and you so know I, three contemporary horror seen, movies? <laughs> no, I don't. I've seen two out of three, but it's, it's going to work. Which is really impressive. Which is, thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so it is Get Out versus It Follows versus A Quiet Place. Which would you animate Ooh. and why? Hoping you see yeah. all three movies. Okay. Um, man. So... I think I want to rule out a quiet place. Um, In fact, my biggest complaint with a quiet place is we saw too much of the monsters. Mm. Okay. And I think what a quiet place uh, worked best at was, was visual storytelling and and heightening drama. So you're going to keep that live action. Let's, let's leave that the way it okay. is. So now we're, what would you I'm animate? trying to narrow it down because again, this is a, this he's is a showing hard, his work here. That's what choice. he's doing. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, exactly. He's verbal processing. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't very good at math because uh, uh, 236 would become 362 uh-huh, halfway through uh-huh. the math problem. But I could get partial credit if I showed my work. So there you go. It's that instinct. <laughs> I see. Um, you let that happen. Yes. And so we're we're down to it follows versus get out. 
and Get Out is a movie from just the social impact it has and the social critique it has is extremely poignant. That being said, you take all that aside and I think the storytelling in it is just so brilliant. Mm. It's great. And I enjoyed It Follows. What I enjoyed most about It Follows, though, not necessarily was the filmmaking or the storytelling itself. It was the ideas that it presented. And I still don't know what you're animating. So I I, I think it would have to be (laughs) It Follows. Okay. You you can play with those same ideas, but but maybe, again, push it a little bit further. And I do love some good cartoon sex, so... Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'll leave that to I'll leave that to you. Uh, I'm going to vote for um, uh, a, a quiet place, and here's why. I think you do this movie uh-huh. in a like a graphic novel style, like a like a not anime, but like verging, like edging toward anime style. Like, I, and I think that you that mm. you you correct some of these issues of not showing the creature uh, as much. And um, since the since it is so, there's so much stillness. You could do so much with stillness. Having having that mm-hmm. uh, animated, I think, would be for sure the way to go because you don't touch Get Out. Um, and I, uh, right. it's, yeah. It's yeah. And great. I, and I, and I, and I, that's, that's where I would go. I would, I, w- I would really love to see a, um, a sort of hardcore, um, animation of a uh, quiet place. I think though, if, if you're going to take the trouble of animating it, like you got to animate this great, cool, badass monster and maybe uh, after the credits, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. A little teaser. I mean, that's hard. I certainly don't want to choose between you know, my boys here, but, um, but you live with one of them. So I do. (laughs) Um, I, I would love to see more, um, uh, you know, inclusion and part of that being sign language included in more Mm -hmm. animation. Okay. So for that, I'm going to get Tobin the point. Also, I don't think Tobin's won a game. Tobin, did you win a game? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever won a game. Holy cow. That's oh, awesome. wow. thanks for Tobin. Thank you both for indulging me and playing. I appreciate that it. That was a great game. I feel that was indulging for everyone involved. <laughs> so. Excellent. So now is the point in our podcast where we decide whether this movie is progressive or regressive. Is this a step forward or step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Josh, what say you? Uh, there's no way in hell this movie is regressive. Oh, wow. I mean, th- this is obviously a very progressive movie. It just has a very empowering message. Um, I mean, what's what's not to like? It's just so positive and uplifting. Excellent. Aislinn, how about you? Agree. I think um, especially now better understanding um, from from both of you all, the, the history, the length of time it took to get this one right, um, that it was, you know, gotten – they did it right – Finally, with uh, or at least got it done, but but I I would say did it right with um, uh, a woman at the helm is absolutely progressive. And then we'll go back to my um, previous statements about um, two female leads, which you you just don't see that often without one of them being pure evil. And so I think that that they can be um, very different women, but still um, women that folks can identify with and um, can look up to. 
I think fantastic. Yeah. Toe? Well said. And, and two two women as leads who are not fighting over a dude. The dude is not a prize. I, there's there's. Yeah, it's right. not a love that, triangle. That, that really works. And in fa- they share a lot. <laughs> in, in, in fact, what, yeah, exactly. And, and and the love story is ends up being ancillary to to the main story in the end anyway. Right. It's, I mean, the story is about not romantic love. It's it, it's about sibling love and the best of love. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're getting the throne uh, territory. Yeah. But, but, but they're expanding the idea of what true love can be because they've given us pretty much one version of that for 70, 80 years or whatever, right? And, and now we're given sibling love. And then Moana, we get, we get uh, um, ancestral love. More intergenerational, yeah. Yeah, I mean, love of community. We have it's community love. Um, you know, community. Yeah, it's. I mean, we get basically what's what what's a a buddy road trip movie in Moana. So they really again expand the idea of what love can really be and how that manifests, and it's it's really fun. Iceland, what are we watching next? Well, next up, the tour of significant others continues as we watch Haywire. Our guest will be your wife, my wife. Libby. In two weeks, you're live. I'm already looking for it. In two weeks, look for it on October 2nd. Awesome. Can, that's going to be really fun. Can't wait. Uh, awesome. Josh, thanks so much for, for joining us. Is there, uh, do you want to? If it, has, if it hasn't been abundantly clear, it is, it is absolutely my pleasure. <laughs> do you want to be found online? And if so, where do people find you? Uh, you don't need to find me online. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just happy to be here and talk with you fine people. So if you want to get in touch with Josh and let him know what a wonderful guest he was, please get in touch with us. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at Tobin Addington. You can get in touch with me at Sassy Nerd MT. And you can... Yep, okay. <laughs> and you can find us at Facebook.com slash The Contenders Pod or on Twitter at contenders underscore pod. Come say hi. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can you can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And you can find them on Twitter at cageclubpod. If you like our show or if you don't like our show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. They make us feel good, help us spread the word about the show, and let people know that they should be listening to The Contenders. We really appreciate you listening to us. I am Tobin Addington. I'm Josh Devonair. I'm Aislinn Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Well, uh, let's see. I got to call up my thing here. Oh, yeah, you're starting this one. So what am I what am I doing? I know. I'm just waiting for the, the go. I'm ready when you are. Okay.